Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm tired. <laughs> I'm Matt. And we review VHS tapes, all the plastic you forgot about, except the weeks we don't. Yeah, so this is our mini-sode, and what we do for the mini-sodes is we break up when we take apart VHSs with movies that will never come out on VHS or have never come out on VHS. And this week we've decided to stay with our space theme for the month of February and do Valerian and the city of the places where there's things. The city of a thousand planets is under attack. Agents Valerian and Laureline find the threat and eliminate it. Yeah, it sounds pretty grim when you put it like that. Five twenty minutes without me. Good job, boys. Unbelievable. Valerian, ready PG thirteen. This is such a long title and such a long, boring movie. I'm gonna do my best to get right into the nitty gritty before I let Matt tear into this and and myself. Yes. So here we go. Like you said, the title is Valerian in the City of a Thousand Horse Planets. And <laughs> the actual title is Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, but who cares, honestly. So it was directed by Luke Benson, and he is a French director that has done a lot. And you may have heard of one of his that are incredibly popular, The Fifth Element. Yes, Lucy, The yeah. Family, uh, what Leon else? Leon and the Professional. Leon the Professional. He's done a lot, and he's a huge writer. He also wrote the screenplay to this, which this movie is based off of a French comic book that ran from somewhere in the 60s to somewhere in the early 2000s. And here may be one big problem of why this wasn't very big in the United States, because no one here reads French comic books. <laughs> <laughs> is it true that I read somewhere... Well, you wouldn't know if it was true if I read somewhere. <laughs> Is it true? Because I think I read it somewhere. He wanted to make a Valerian movie forever, couldn't, turned his Valerian ideas into the fifth element, and then years later finally got the property to do Valerian. Could that be right? It could be. What I read is he wanted to do this in the 90s. He couldn't. The technology wasn't there, plus the funding wasn't there. And he didn't have a proper screenplay for all of it, the entire story anyway. It was too complex. Mm. And you could tell from watching this, this movie is either a trilogy or it should be a Netflix TV show. It is way, way too complex for one two-hour movie. Well, that's why the movie's two and a half hours long. <laughs> it, it's just mind-numbingly slow and boring. Yeah, uh, this is a this is a case of uh, we were ju we just talked about this after it was over. This was a case of uh, style over substance. Completely, I don't know what was happening in most of this, and I <laughs> we watched it. I mean, you may have nodded off, and I may have went to the bathroom or got some pizza, but we were there for ninety five percent of this film. And oh yeah, it's tough. I paid attention to like yeah ninety to ninety five percent of this movie. I was paying attention. And yeah, I was like dozing during some of just like the parts where they weren't dazzling me. It so is the case of style over substance because 
so much of what I was seeing, my eyes liked, but it was almost kind of like overstimulation. So like my eyes were enjoying everything they were seeing, but my brain wasn't processing anything. Like I couldn't grasp on to anything in the story. Yeah, this was pretty and I couldn't figure things out while Michael Bay is chaotic and I can't figure anything out. Yeah, I would be disappointed to say this, but I'm going to say it because I think it's true. I would much rather have watched a Michael Bay movie than this movie simply because I think I would have maybe just enjoyed myself a little bit more. I also think, and again, this is something that's rough for me to say, I believe Michael Bay explains his movies better than Luke Benson did in this yeah, and, like, I, I do, I like a lot of his movies, actually. Like, all the ones that we mentioned at the top, I think are all great movies. Fifth Element, Lucy, I really enjoyed. Uh, the Family was really fun. Uh, um, oh, shit, he did The Family. Yeah, Leon the Professional is a, a fucking classic. Like, the dude is a great director, um, and he's definitely, an, obviously, an amazing visual storyteller. I just think his script was very lackluster for this film. See, I'm not going to go as far and say he's a great film director i think he's a great visual director yeah i don't think he's a good writer for screenplays i think he's a good writer for visual yeah i mean every sort of like eye candy sequence in this movie you can't take your eyes off of it no. like it's one when, when he is in full action mode or full like you know eye gasms <laughs> um, it works like you you can't take your eyes off the screen story-wise like i said it's really hard to grasp onto anything here i'll be totally upfront i didn't dislike this movie it's almost like that same thing with skyline like i just really fall in the middle with it because i did enjoy the visual so much but didn't know necessarily what was happening from scene to scene from moment to moment i still can't say that i like liked it yeah i'm, I'm gonna wait a little bit to tell my judgment well we'll get into who's starring this and then i'll i'll tell you exactly what i think so this was starring dane dehan as major valerian i think that's how you spell his last name dehan yeah pronounce it yeah uh from amazing spider-man and chronicle then we had kara Delavine. Delavine as Sergeant Loreline? Yep. And she's from Suicide Squad. She was the Enchantress. Yeah. So she's not been in much. She's a former model. Yeah. I, I, I haven't really liked her much, and not because of her. I think she I think she has the chops, but she just hasn't been cast right yet. And I actually liked her in this. We have Clive Owen as Commander Aaron Fillet. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never liked Clive Owen, so... Clive Owen is usually the bad guy. Uh, the one movie I wrote him down from, Children of Men, is one of the few I like him in. But yeah. I think he does do a good job being that uh, just villainous bastard. Yeah. He's a good blank canvas for a good director to, like, bounce a story off of, but, like, he's not a great actor to carry a movie, I think. I agree with that. Yeah. And then we had... Rihanna as Bubble. Bubble. <laughs> uh, she's from Battleship and, of course, her music career. Yeah. And in this movie, she's in approximately six to seven minutes. Yeah. And the rest of her is overtub CGI blob. Yeah. And it's bad. Yeah. I feel, I think Bubble's the only bad CGI in this movie. The rest of the CGI, I mean, is obvious CGI, but for the kind of movie you're signing up for, I thought they did a good job with it. I should also mention we had an Ethan Hawke sighting in this, and he is honestly really good for about the four or five minutes he's in it, and that's it. Yes, he is 
marvelous in this film. <laughs> um, but he's barely in it. Yeah, no, no, he really is. He's underutilized in this movie. I didn't know he was in it at all. The, the advertising uh, sort of straight away from advertising that he was in it. And I think they would have benefited from letting the audience know that he was in the movie because I think people like Ethan Hawke. I think people will come out to see Ethan Hawke. Now, granted, they would be disappointed because he is only in four minutes of the movie, but, like, they should have put that on the posters or because they put Rihanna on the posters and she's only in probably a few more minutes than him. So I I don't know why they kind of hid that unless it was supposed to be a surprise. But he's magnetic when he's on screen. I don't think this is a good movie, and I said I wanted to save it, so I got through the stars. I don't. I think this is a D movie, and it has everything to do with I like substance over style first. Yeah. I I like stylized movies. I really do. Like The Fifth Element, I believe that's a stylized movie that has just enough substance. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you on Fifth Element. It's obviously a far superior film, and yeah, it does have more than just style i can bend and i can i'm more likely to like something that is style over substance like i like i've mentioned before on plenty of other podcasts i like michael bay movies you know and i like some michael bay a lot of michael bay movies but not yeah not obviously not all i'm not a complete mush brain but uh, i do like i do like a lot of his movies and there's other filmmakers that we've talked about too where it's like their filmography may not be the best but you know i i tend to like style over substance but uh this one just didn't give me enough to grab onto for me to be like oh this is great like i can't say it was great i can i can say that i didn't hate it but that's as far as i can go i can say that the story is hard to follow uh the music is very much wannabe john williams yeah really really is yeah, at, at one time I just kept humming na 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 yeah. because a song about an hour in maybe came on yeah. and I put, I was like wait is what did John Williams do this? Nope. Yeah, there's a there's like a Jurassic Park theme over the movie and there's definitely like a Star Wars theme over yes. the movie too that they're doing. This movie is definitely heavily influenced by Star Wars cinematically. I mean, I'm sure the comic book probably played its part in the making of the movie, too, but I feel like Luke Besson has watched the Star Wars movies a bunch, too. and Just a little. Yeah, kind of pulled from there. And I think, I think he does the complete CG world better than Lucas did in the prequels. But he also suffers from the same thing of Lucas, where he his script writing is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I, the dialogue in this at times is really cringy, especially not when, as cringy as Star Wars. No, I will no, say, though. I, but yeah, was, I agree. I agree. There was no sand lines. <laughs> yeah, I hate sand, coarse and rough. But uh, we did have a few where, like, I play by the rules. Yeah, like, yeah. But you're supposed to be the bad boy, Valerian. Why do you keep saying you play by the rules? Yeah, like, I don't understand their dichotomy where he's, like, the bad boy who is smart, gets straight A's, and follows the rules. But, like, she's the Ivy League but doesn't play by the... Like, I don't understand their dichotomy because it, it just makes no sense because... It's almost like when they make a decision, they're like, oh, that's in character because he's the bad boy. But then he makes another decision that's completely the opposite. And they're like, oh, he made that decision because he follows the rules. And I'm like, then there's nothing to distinguish them. There's nothing to separate them. We should also go into, this is the way in the future, and white men are still in control of every major <laughs> responsible right. position. And I just kept over and over. In fact, I think Sarah even got mad at me where I'm like, whoa, 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 Matt. 
at least white males are still in charge. High five! Right, right. And I, w- I refuse to high five you. <laughs> but, like, uh, it's true. And it's I, terrible, though. Right, Come right. On. It was just, like, we've seen... It's not so much that it's, like, offensive, like, because I could give a shit, but, like... It's that we've seen it. It's boring. It's like when I just see a room full of white people in charge, I'm immediately asleep. Like, I'm just like, give me something else, like, to well, grasp. Give me another background to, like, grasp onto that's, like, a little different. Like, well, you had the Asian character who was, like, the right-hand man. You had uh, whatever the girl's name is, Valerian's uh, Warline. Warline's, like, I wouldn't say she's not the character where everyone's like, you don't know what you're talking about. But they definitely didn't pay attention to her. Right. I think, so, the movie made the mistake of the white male Because it's a 60-year-old French man writing writing this film. Right. But I think the movie tried, to its credit, tried to satirize the putting down of women. But it doesn't quite pull it off because... You know, with Rihanna's character, she's over-sexualized. When they go to these different planets, all the women are still objects. You know, they're still, yeah. like, prostitutes in the streets and things. Like, we barely see any women in any of, like, the top-tier positions at all in the movie. No, there is no powerful woman in this movie. And I do think they were doing think. that on purpose because of Lorelai's character and how she challenges that. But I just don't think they fully pulled it off well, with their commentary that they're trying to do. Unlike Paul Verhoeven, where he is so good at it that it's saturated. Right. Like, if you think of the satire yeah. in Starship Troopers, it's so smart. But it's so yeah. juicy. And it's so, yeah, it, it's it comes from, like, such a dark side. And this is a little confused and not ready to commit fully to the, to the point they're trying to make. Yeah. And we, I should go into this when I was looking stuff on it. So, he wanted to do this many, many years ago. He decided, hey, we don't have the technology. So, he prepared for this. He took seven years to develop this. He had five different designers come together to work on just the visual building of this. He wanted the world building to be fantastic. And you can tell, the visuals are fantastic. That is the strongest part of this film. And even kind of a lot of the unique aliens and their structures. The problem was when he put together the screenplay with the dialogue, the character interaction, and all of these puzzle pieces together, it doesn't work in this movie. Yeah, it uh, it almost feels like, yeah, he spent these seven years developing these visuals and then had, like, seven weeks to kick out a script. Like, it seemed like very haphazard slapdash uh, with the script, anyway. Maybe it is. I don't know. I can say I commend what he's going for. Like, you know, if he's a fan of something, he's trying to bring it to life, and he spends seven years on trying to get it cooked, like, that's admirable. Like, I, I could give ben, ben some props for that, but, like, I, I, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work in the end. Well, that's a problem. This was the largest French production ever put together and the largest independent production ever put together. $177 million estimated, but I have read with the marketing combined, it was about $210 million. Apparently, Benson is one hell of a financial person and got a lot of tax breaks. He claimed that this movie ended up costing him closer to $150 million because of giant tax breaks in France and a lot of other places they film. Maybe it is. But either way, when you look at the gross in the United States was only $40 million, which the United States and China are the monsters right now. Right. That's not a good United States monster. I mean, they didn't take a big bite out of it. 
So, and then you looked at uh, the cumulative worldwide gross, only $225 million. So probably it with everything just broke even. Yeah, and we'll see how it does on, you know, direct-to-video and DVD, Blu-ray, all that. But I assume he's not going to get another major release for a little bit. Well, he's not going to get another, like, franchise-type thing. He'll get another action movie. I mean, this is the creator of the Taken franchise, for Christ's sake. So he's he'll get another chance at action, at least. But it's going to be a while before he gets, like, a franchise franchise. I agree. All right, this movie also had some bad luck. And it came to when it was released in the United States. So it was released around the same time as Dunkirk, Spider-Man Homecoming, and War for the Planet of the Apes. (laughs) Not good planning. Three of the best movies of last year. Like, at least three of the best summer releases of last year. Yeah, it was. I, I think he released this two weeks after Dunkirk. Maybe One week after I, Spider-Man I, and the same week as War, yes, I think. Yes, I believe, yeah. <laughs> Matt, would you recommend this movie to general audiences? No. I don't think this is a general audience movie. I think this is a very specific audience movie. I have a friend that thought this was one of his favorite movies of last year and he has a very specific taste but i would recommend it to people who maybe do like very broad sci-fi visual movies because they might they might get more out of it than i did i agree i think this is for very two very specific audiences one eye candy audiences people mm-hmm. who love visuals and two the people who love world building yeah i believe people who really liked bright from netflix would possibly like this if they were into the world building of it yeah yeah the world building's great in this movie for sure like it immediately transported me to what they were trying to you know the journey they were trying to take me on left me left me hanging still nonetheless (laughs) all right we'll come back with what we just watched that's why i don't have sex it's not because of my face or my general attitude towards human beings the thing is that they don't refer to any of these things as murders which is the most amazing part it's always referred to as a disappearance there's fucking blood filling the back of a truck that was certainly nice of me wasn't it huh same set as castle Um, (laughs) what is that really no but i would believe it actually that wouldn't shock me i can't imagine that there's a ton of castles that charles band has at his disposal (laughs) that frog is gonna bang roddy piper Nope, she's just one horny toad. <laughs> Justin Lung just screamed that he's a fucking walrus for so long. He keeps yelling cuckoo ca and shit. It's weird. <laughs> Join me and Matt as we discuss some of the worst of horror every week on the Horror Movie Night Podcast. Listen at HMNPodcast.com. Matt, what did you just watch? The big surprise was that Super Bowl Sunday, Netflix dropped the new Cloverfield movie without telling anybody, without any hints that it was going to happen. It was like, oh, by the way, Netflix has the new Cloverfield movie, and you can watch it tonight. That night I watched it. Like As soon as I had the chance to watch it that evening, I put it on. Uh, I'm a big fan of the series. I really like the first two. This is the weakest of the three, but I still really enjoyed it. Yeah, I saw a joke on it. Or Cloverfield 2 is you had, like, a month of marketing, and this one you had, like, a couple hours. And the next one is J.J. Abrams just going to break your window and throw a Blu-ray in. Yeah, and that might happen. So be (laughs) on the lookout, everybody. We might wake up, and it might already be in our brains. (laughs) (laughs) I heard there's going to be a fourth. Like, they've already penciled it in. It's shot already, October 20th. Is this actually a Cloverfield movie? 
No, it's the it, same thing. They keep they keep taking other scripts and adding Cloverfield aspects to them. Uh, it's the Hellraiser effect. <laughs> so do you think a general audience or just a sci-fi audience, which one should watch that? From what I've read, uh, because people went crazy on social media after this came out. Like fans, non-fans. Mm-hmm. You give people a movie for free that they're like excited about, everyone under the sun's going to watch it. I saw sci-fi fans loving and complaining about it and i saw general movie fans loving and complaining about it so this is just a middling movie in general but people who aren't fans of the genre are going to like stuff about it i think and then people who are fans of the genre will but it is middling you may hate it i don't know it's just your own personal taste if you can if you could swallow the pill that it's not actually a cloverfield movie it's just like peppered in little things then if you could take that i think that's a lot that eases you up a little bit into it don't go in expecting all the answers for the series or something like that (laughs) this week i ended up finally catching up and watching whatever happened to monday For three decades, the Child Allocation Bureau has combated catastrophic overpopulation. This sibling will be processed under authority of the Child Allocation Act. To build a sustainable future full of hope and possibility. How do you plan on hiding this? Starting tomorrow, you will each get to go outside on the day of the week that is your name. Sunday, we'll get to go outside on Sunday, Monday on Monday, Tuesday on Tuesday, and so on. You will all take on the singular identity of Karen Setman. I don't really know why it took such a long time to watch this. I just wasn't excited for it and forgot about it. Was one day just looking at my list and I go, you know what? I'm going to watch this for our sci-fi month. I think it's good. I don't know why it didn't catch on, because it has all the action, it has good acting, it has kind of an interesting story. I just feel like it's missing that special something, and people just aren't going to latch on to it. Honestly, and this this is more of a sad thing, just about the state of where we are today. I think the poster wasn't good and that you know if you're clicking through Netflix and you're going through all the titles the poster didn't match up with the content of the movie and the title doesn't really sell you on the content of the movie either Uh, I haven't seen it yet but I know about it I've read about it so I think the poster should have been sharper and cool think like the babysitter poster everybody watched that movie because of that poster if they if they hadn't heard of it before they were like cool I want to see that this needed that and then the other sad thing is I think it's a runtime it's over two hours and I think people want want instant gratification they want the 80 minute movies i agree it is a little bit long and i also agree the title's terrible yeah my honest to god reason for putting it off too was the runtime and i hate to admit it but it really was like if, if you've given me the option to watch uh ritual what's on there now and that's a 90 minute movie versus that which is an over two hour movie i'm gonna go with ritual obviously both of these movies i still need to catch up and watch but yeah it's sadly it's the runtime for me that's why i skipped it it's funny you mention that because right before I watched this, I actually clicked on Ritual and clicked back and said, no, 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 I'm going to watch this. <laughs> like, Ritual almost caught me with that. Like, oh, I know I might more enjoy this. I don't know what I'm going to get with Monday. Yeah. I'm glad I did Monday. I really do want to watch it. I like the director's other works. He's did Dead Snow and Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, which I think is a criminally underrated campy horror movie. I do want to see it, and I will see it. But 
are you telling our listeners that they should definitely seek it out? No. No? I think it's good, but it's for a small audience that likes a slow burn and they like sci-fi. Okay. Don't uh, don't go like if you're looking for your normal stuff. Like if you're only into aliens and you're only into X Men, all those type sci fi's. I don't know if X Men's a sci fi, but you know what I mean. Like where it's quick, mm-hmm. action packed. You're not gonna get that with Monday. Don't expect that. Don't watch it if you don't want a slow burn because it takes a little time to unfold. I don't think there's any action in that movie until about forty minutes in. Cool. Good to know. But I will definitely be watching. Let's come back with some nerd news. Get those nerds! Nerd! Nerd! Matt, what do you got for nerd news? So we got two quick things of nerd news this week. Uh, number one, Fangoria Magazine is coming back. Woohoo! I am a print nerd. I will probably... Well, I, I think I've already signed up for the first year. <laughs> so I am gonna. I'm definitely going to do this again. I have every issue since 04. I think, and then random issues before that even. But from 04 to 2015 when they ran, I have every issue. So I'm a big fan. I grew up on it like a lot of us Monster Kids did. Uh, the, the lurid art, the same thing as the VHSs, you know, pulled me in with the gore and the boobs and the, like, the, the, the naughtiness of it. Like they should not have. I, I love pulling out a Fangoria magazine like on the train when I was in high school and like freaking people out. So I'm very excited to pull it out on bus on the way to work in oh. my 20s. <laughs> I feel Fangoria kind of captured that naughtiness that all the horror fans had where it's like, it's taboo. Yeah. We shouldn't have it, yeah. but we love it anyway. Yeah. Mostly because we shouldn't have it. Yep. Very excited they're going back to print. Uh, I think, you know, I work for a website that does horror news, but... Uh, j- drop it. What's <laughs> the name? Horror Society. HorrorSociety.com. There's something about print that is just touching it. It's the same thing as owning movies. It's something about having it. It's something about you could take it with you on the train. It doesn't hurt my eyes like the screen does if I look at it too long. I can just, you know, have it, and it's always there. It's not like, you know, one day my internet doesn't work or one day my reader doesn't work and I can't read anything that day. Like, it's print, it's there, it's always there, it's on my shelf, I can go get it when I want to read it. So you don't have to charge the magazine? (laughs) I don't. And the words don't disappear after a while. They still, they stay there. (laughs) So, did you notice Black Panther is absurd right now? I went to the theater with Sarah on the Saturday that it dropped. We watched I, which was also a filled theater at our little Davis Theater, which was nice. nice. I, Tanya, by the way, if you like crazy documentary-style films where it's absurd from start to finish, you should really see I, Tanya. Black Panther was full, so full that it was hard to get into I, Tanya because the line was out the door. All right, ready for this bombshell? Do it. Two days. This is Friday, Saturday total. 192 million. 192 million. Some movies don't even make that through their whole theatrical run. This was in two fucking days. So what you're saying is, because we called out the racist people (laughs) who also tried to get us off, allegedly off YouTube, Black Panther is succeeding because of us. You lost. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking lost, nerds. (laughs) Racist Uh, pricks. Yeah, that's right. Oh, so anyway. Allegedly, they took us off YouTube. They tried. Motherfuckers <laughs> can't, can't cut shit on us. So, yeah. 
just go back to your mom's basement and you're sulking and you're never having a girlfriend. Black Panther made $192 million. It is now the fifth biggest opening domestically ever. So Star Wars, uh, Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, uh, Jurassic World, Avengers, and Black Panther. You're welcome, Disney. <laughs> Disney owns four out of the five biggest openings. And I mean, there's no arguing that the Star Wars movies are great. Jurassic World and Avengers were quite the spectacle. You know? So, like, damn. Killing it. And, yeah, it is the um, second biggest Marvel premiere behind the Avengers. So, it actually beat Civil War, which was the introduction of Black Panther as a character in the universe. It also beat Deadpool which uh, two years ago did uh, $132 million in its opening and broke a bunch of records. It has now shattered that record. Uh, it's expected to take in, after tomorrow, $218 million. So over four and a half days, it is expected to make $218 million. And neither of us have seen it because we're both racist. <laughs> Well, obviously, Valeria, we wanted the... We wanted the all-white cast. Yeah, right, Jesus Christ. All right, I'll explain to you why I did not see it. And it's probably very close to the same reason why I did not see it yet. Because when I walked by the theater, the line was out the door. <laughs> Legit. I I don't like crowds. I just don't. I don't like crowds. I like seeing movies by myself. That's why I go to matinees all the time. I, I like seeing movies with, like, a crowd, but I don't like too big of a crowd. I get anxious. I don't like people in general. Uh, there's too many alt writers out there, and it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> but I, yeah, I just couldn't. I couldn't go out in the theaters because I was legit claustrophobic just thinking about it. Uh, but I am gonna go Tuesday at a matinee uh, because I really, really, really want to see it, and I feel like that's like my first chance to see it without like a sold out crowd. That's funny. If I would have known that the entire crowd would have been alt writers. I would have put on my hat and been like, let's do this. <laughs> I fucking love confrontation. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't think, obviously, the, th the theaters are filled with kids who this story That's is my inspiring yeah. and things like that. And it's filled with parents taking their kids and things like that, which is great. I mean, I don't want to sit in a theater full of kids because I don't like kids, but like, but they're excited about it, and that's fucking awesome. So I'm glad mm -hmm. that, like, you know kids uh that aren't typically represented in films like this are being represented you know adults that look like their parents are in this film and i think that's fucking great but you know there are some alt writers in there that are like hate watching the movie so that they can get on their little internet binges about why everything's wrong about the movie <laughs> oh yeah they're out there yeah and they're they out suck there. ass and they suck anyway yeah. let's end on a positive note <laughs> so okay Yes, so we're not going to let the bad guys beat us. Let's talk about... No, let's what just talk been... about me being a super nerd and going back and playing yes. Final Fantasy VII. Talk about what you've been up to. And I want to let all of you know that I beat the Reno guy and the sample HO512 <laughs> the bosses. I did it. I did it, guys. I'm almost through disc one. I'm going to do this. I mean, wait a minute. I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm almost through disc one, and I'm going to do this, even though no one gives a shit. I'm glad you're doing it. Just getting through it. Why not, man? Nostalgia! Yeah, for sure. I This was not a game I latched on to, but I know a lot of people loved it, so that's awesome that you're playing through it. Okay, so we just got done with our sci-fi month of February, which 
if you didn't like any of these films, you can specifically blame Steven here because I, I picked them all, and I'm sorry. I didn't do a very good job. <laughs> I didn't. I thought you did a great job, actually, because we had stuff we did like, we had stuff we didn't like, we had, we always had stuff to talk about. That's because so you I like to you punish great... yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think you did a great job. Matt, would you like to introduce the Matt March? Yeah, so for our March Madness, uh, we're seeing double. Uh, so I will, I'm just going to go through the whole lineup, and we'll remind you each episode what's coming next. But fuck it, we're going to tell you the whole lineup for March. We're going to start off the month with a double tape that includes Death Wish 5, The Face of Death, and also includes inexplicably War Room, the Clinton uh, administration documentary from the 90s. <laughs> but it is a tape that actually exists. It's a real double tape that Trimark put out. I don't know why, but it exists. Uh, so, but specifically, we'll be focusing obviously on Death Wish because that's more of our audience space, and we'll definitely be covering War Room a little bit. But it is Death Wish Five, and the reason besides the double tape that we're seeing double in March, then we'll be watching Death Wish 2018 the next week. The Bruce Willis starring Eli Roth. <sighs> I don't know, badly timed remake. <laughs> we should also point out, so we wanted to watch a Death Wish, I believe, in November, January, correct? Mm-hmm. Would you want to watch three or four? We wanted to, because, and then there was a school shooting. Right. And, we, and we're like, hey, let's not do this. Yeah. So then we're like, let's watch the Death Wishes in March, because that's when the new one's coming out. Guess what? Another school shooting. Yeah. So we give up. Yeah, there is I, no good timing for this. There's a fucking school shooting every two weeks. We're we're gonna we're gonna trash on the movies conservative bends the whole time anyway. We're gonna have fun with it. Like we're gonna we're gonna pick on the movies. We're gonna have fun, and uh, it's gonna be a good time. And if you're if you're bummed out about what's happening in the world today, we all are. Let's let's just have some fun listening to trash some movies. Like <laughs> it's nothing we could do about the way the world's going right now, so we might as well uh, have some fun, make some people laugh, enjoy ourselves watching some stupid movies. <laughs> After, I agree because there's no good time to watch things. Yeah, no, because no matter what, they're going to be ill time because this isn't going to stop happening until we have some real change here. So we're gonna we're gonna blow through those and then. And uh, St. Patrick's Day is in the middle of the month, <laughs> which is going to lead us to another Trimark double tape, which is Leprechaun 2, the crazy one. If you've ever seen the series, it's it's pretty bonkers bananas, which is on a double tape with a movie called Fatal Mission, which I know nothing about. We're just going to dive in with that. But obviously, again, our focus will primarily be on Leprechaun 2 because it's bananas. And then, uh, again, seeing double, besides just a double tape, for our mini-episode, we'll be covering the reboot of Leprechaun. Leprechaun Origins. Which I'm sure is just another massive pile of garbage, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun to tear apart. Uh, I think it's going to be really fun to watch together. So that's mostly why I I think it's a good idea. And then we are going to end the month the way that we just, we have to. We just have to do this. We're going to do two... Easter tapes for children. <laughs> we know none of you like to listen to the, our religious tapes, but we don't care because we bought them for a quarter each and we've got to get through them. Yeah, I mean, let's like rip it like a band-aid. They're Easter tapes. The episode drops the Friday before Easter. Uh, Easter's also on uh, April Fool's, so I'm sure we're going to have tons and tons of jokes about that. <laughs> um, so come back and listen to us be pretty much savage throughout the month of March. (laughs) So to recap, 
Valerian and the Lost City of a Thousand Foot Soldiers that are on horses. I don't know the fucking title of it. Anyway, it's not for general audiences. It's for sci-fi world builders. We also went through Cloverfield Armageddon. I don't know. What was it called? <laughs> Paradox. Paradox. Also not for general audiences like What Happened to Monday. It's more for all you sci-fi nerds out there and maybe some world builders. Then we went on to Black Panther, go out and see it, and fight those racists. (laughs) Or alt-writers, I don't know, whatever you want to call them, I don't give a crap. Anyway, and then our March Madness is going to be Death Wish 5. Death Wish the remake from 2018. We have Leprechaun 2, we have Leprechaun Origins, and Easter Fun Tapes. (laughs) Yes, so thank you for listening to our episode on... Valeria, Valeria. It's a disease. It's a disease. It's a venereal disease. <laughs> it's a valerial disease. Uh, Valerian and the title of a thousand words. Uh, please definitely uh, rate us on iTunes and don't try to get us kicked off YouTube anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Uh, take care. <laughs>